Welcome back to another episode of Fret Buzz the Podcast. Hi, my name is Aaron Sefchik. I'm Joe McMurray. I'm Miles Harshman. And today it gives me great pleasure to bring on the show Mr. Brian Wampler. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Very good. Welcome. Doing good. We're excited to have you. Uh, if you don't know who Brian is, uh, he's the CEO of Wampler Pedals. Um, he's got two books out, uh, How to Modify Your Guitar Pedals and Secrets of Huge Guitar Tone. Um, is that still out, actually? The second one? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it is. If it is, I, I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first one that has, uh, oh, it's on the internet, I think. The, uh, that's probably the modification book. Yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah. have that. I yeah, that's, have that. that's still on Amazon, I think. I think the other one, that was like... Um, Secrets of Guitar Tone or whatever. That was like yeah. 2002. It's, I would not recommend anyone read that or buy that. <laughs> like ever. Don't like, yeah. <laughs> Understandably. It's, it's yeah. pretty bad. Uh, yeah. You've, you've learned a few old. things. Yeah. Yeah. Things have changed just a little bit. There are no secrets. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. That's how I feel about my old recordings. That's true. Uh, yeah, this, you can imagine 18 years ago. It's exactly like listening to your old recordings. You know, when you first started playing guitar, you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Awesome. If you, uh, he also has a YouTube channel where he does pedal demos, tips and how-tos, uh, a bunch of stuff on effects and guitars and amps and a whole lot more. He also has a podcast, Chasing Tone Podcast with Blake Wyland, who we've also had on Fret Buzz the Podcast, episode 49. Um, and recently, uh, not too long ago, he got together with a couple of guys, uh, Robert Keeley, Josh Scott, Ryan Dick. Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got together and did the wor- biggest, the world's largest um, pedal board for Guinness Book of World Records. Rob Scallon kind of headed that all up. With a total of 319 pedals, which is pretty impressive. Yep, it was it was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it was loud and obnoxious and unusable completely. But there's a lot of pedals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, by all means, thanks for coming on the show, Brian. It's uh, it's wonderful to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, yeah. That Guinness Book World Records thing. That's uh, that was pretty impressive. Uh, how did how did you kind of? I mean. Who tagged you first? How did you first hear about that? And um, really, I, I'm kind of sure. wondering, like, okay, of the vast pedals that you have in your array, mm-hmm. how do you kind of go, yeah, I'm going to take, because you guys each took about 20 or so pedals to this. I sent one of everything we have. Okay. Wow. So um, so oh, basically, wow. Sweet Sweetwater really kind of, well, with Rob, kind of really worked out all the details. Yeah. Um, they contacted their vendors. Uh, and basically said, you know, here's what we're doing. Um, if you want to donate any pedals for this, then here's the address to send it to. And so I was talking to them like, you know what, this is actually a pretty good opportunity for like, you know, video and audio and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I said, so what, why don't I, uh, I'll do it, but how about I come there? Cause Sweetwater's fairly close to me. So why don't I come there and, um, you know, I'll be part of the video and, if there's any tech problems, I can work on it or whatever. And so uh, Natalie, who's kind of like, I think she's like the head of their marketing department. She said, oh, that's a good idea. I can get, maybe I can get some more manufacturers on board and we can do a much bigger video than what we had planned. And uh, so that's what they did. It really just started from 
you know, send some pedals if you want them on the board to come out and be a part of it. And let's, uh, let's break some things. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so who is Rob Scallon? Rob is a, a fairly big YouTuber. Yeah. He's got 1.5 million subs or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he, uh, he does a, a lot of, I mean, it's not necessarily like gear reviews. It's mostly like, all kinds of funny oh, yeah. content yeah guitar based but still pretty funny stuff yeah he does some interesting stuff like yeah. recording on on wax records and doing oh, yeah. all kinds of crazy in like he's just out there and he has a whole lot of fun yeah yeah i just, I just watched one where he went through um some chicago church and looked at their entire organ and uh, installed <laughs> through the entire church it was very interesting huh very interesting that's wild i haven't seen that one but yeah that's wild yeah I'd love to play one of those church organs. I think that'd be so fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, they even had an old one, the kind that you pump with the lever oh, yeah, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, a choo-choo yeah. train. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That looked like a choo-choo train. <laughs> or, a, or, or a trucker. Or a trucker. Or a trucker, yeah, there you go. Oh, remember yeah. doing that when you were a kid on the school bus? Yeah. I still do that. What are yeah. you talking about? I, for, yeah. I forgot about that until just now. Yep. Yeah, I've I'm going to have to try that. I've done that a couple times on 66. <laughs> yeah that brings back good memories <laughs> last days we'll do it yeah, yeah we'll so, do it. i don't know if you saw it, but alex lifeson from russia yeah oh yes so um, that was yeah that was pretty wild now, was and, that um, totally unannounced yeah it was completely off the cuff yeah because yeah. it, it was all of a sudden like you guys were all kind of doing your thing and then all of a sudden i heard like whispers of like alex lifeson's over there <laughs> yeah it's it's funny he was at my hotel where i was staying oh. um and so you know i'm just eating dinner i got in late and eating dinner and lo and behold i'm like holy crap that's alex lifeson <laughs> checking in so he came by and i introduced myself and everything yeah. and uh he ended up sitting down and had a beer and just you know just talked for a while which is pretty cool i was yeah. sitting there thinking like i wonder if he knows like how big of an influence he is on me <laughs> am i fan, <laughs> fanboying here yeah. probably so yeah. uh but and apparently he was in town to do a separate thing for Sweetwater. okay um and i don't i don't know like the logistics of how it happened but yeah he basically just popped in and said let me try it <laughs> yeah that was quite a scene to yeah. see uh alex lyson with an eight string i was just like <laughs> okay he's, he's not yeah <laughs> not generally what he would play in this rush days i don't think but. no yeah no uh, he had his 335 mostly didn't he i think so yeah a long I mean, time there mm -hmm. yeah 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 funny stuff I didn't know they drank that much. I thought they were like the type of guys that would like go on tour and like sit in their room and read. <laughs> like, that, that's pretty much what they said. I, I thought that's what they said in the documentary is, is, oh, maybe that was just more Neil. Neil was the, pretty much the one who was just like, yeah, I'm going to go back to the bedroom and just kind of nerd out. I think, I think all of them did, though. That's what it sounded like. But, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, well, you got to have a beer with them. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's... it's um, it's always fun to meet your heroes. It's even cool to like sit down and in like a real, you know, just like a different atmosphere, mm. a normal atmosphere, and just just talk about everything that's not guitar related. As, as odd as that sounds, because yeah. you know, it's like a real conversation with another person versus yeah. three minutes, you know, in a meet and greet line saying, yeah. "I love your, I love your songs," you know. Well, that's how we yeah. feel about this podcast. Yeah, we get we get to interview people that we look up to and they. 
you know, I'm like going to Guitar Center to play Wampler pedals so I can prepare myself mentally for this. And then all of a sudden you're in front of me. <laughs> Might as well be in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. It's underwhelming. I understand. I love it. I love get. I love getting to talk to people and ask the questions that I'm, that are driving me nuts. <laughs> we want you to give us all the secrets of great tone today. All the secrets. Right. It, it all starts with a guitar pick. Yeah. <laughs> and more Mel Bay, less eBay. That's oh, true. Yes. That's, that's, oddly, oddly enough, uh, in selling guitar pedals, that's not very popular to say, but that is the truth. That's the way to sound better. Practice a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, tone is so subjective, and you got all these guys who are like chasing tone. Um, and it's, it's amazing because, you know, after all these years of doing this for so long, it's, it's like, okay, what really is tone and the tone that I hear is not going to be the same tone that you hear and how do we achieve that could be, you know, achieved by many different ways. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can take the exact, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about it before. You take the exact same setup and two different people play it and mm-hmm. it can sound drastically different. Oh, yeah. I really, depending on how good the player is, he, one player can take the same setup and sound drastically different just by changing his playing style and no. you know how he's playing yeah. um, and phrasing and everything else that goes along that's not related to electronics at all. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into it outside of what capacitors did you use or what half amps did you use mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's that's really such a oh yeah such a small piece of the puzzle when it comes down to it i mean to me like pedal pedals are a lot like seasoning you know yeah where i mean of. you know you don't always want a tube screamer or a clon but you may in certain situations you know yeah. the same thing with uh you know that newest like the chase the chase bliss blooper now that's that's really cool for some stuff. Probably really bad if you're going to play Le- Leonard Skinner covers all night. You know? yeah. <laughs> what, what does that pedal do? It's um it's a looper that does all kinds of crazy stuff. So you can uh, change the pitch, slow it down, make make the loops themselves sound completely different. So you, it's it's really like that pedal is almost like playing. You're literally playing almost an, a, a different instrument, or you're playing guitar, but what comes out is so much different than what you would normally get from just a regular looper, which is normally just basically like playing the same sound over and over. To me, that's yeah. kind of when pedals start to become the instruments themselves. It's yeah. Chase's chase bliss stuff is a lot, a lot oh, yeah. like that. I find it's, it's almost like an instrument in itself, which is, you know, like I said, that's, that's great for some stuff, but uh, you know, other times you just need meat and potatoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good old whole notes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes it is having a drive pedal of some sort is kind of like my one thing I can't. That and some sort of reverb. Like, I I agree that it's mostly the player, but there's some things that make it drastically, sound drastically better. It's just easier to play your instrument. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's... I mean, you're definitely going to need... What I guess what I would call home base stuff, you know, overdrive, distortion, a tuner, <laughs> yeah. delay, reverb, maybe some modulation if you need something like that. Yeah. Um, but then you have other bits and pieces that, 
you know, may may not necessarily be a standard like a a fuzz pedal, but it is something that provides a piece of a puzzle that you may not get anywhere else, you know. So, but that and to me, that's kind of like what shit that Chase Bliss stuff. It it fits like a little niche that you're not going to find whenever you pick up a tube screamer, you know. Yeah. Where a tube screamer is much more. I say tube screamer generically. I mean like overdrive. Yeah. But so where it's it's something that you're going to use ninety percent of the time. Miles, you're fuzz guy you, uh, yes i am i have me all about your fuzzes last I've got, time i've got too many fuzzes <laughs> or or maybe not enough i was gonna say I, i've never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> well i mean it's it's what your wallet says to you sometimes when you're like i don't have money for more fuzzes <laughs> maybe that's too much but, we uh, do yeah well, you do a lot of mod and DIY type stuff, right? You just build mm. build yourself some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've got a big muff over here that I want to kind of keep poking at, just because you know tweaking is fun. Mm-hmm. Like that that book, what is it? The um, with all the mods. I, I went through that one quite a bit, and like uh, like I built a tube screamer. I tried all those mods, and mm-hmm. um, I get you have an op amp big muff right now. And you mm-hmm. don't find too many mods for that, so. No, I mean, I, I, I keep promising everyone I'm going to update that because that, I think that book was written like 2005 or six or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of old, yeah. uh, in comparison to well, one I know more than I did then. Yeah. And two, like I've had another 12 years. <laughs> yeah. I was 12, gonna say a, a bunch of years. 14 years, I guess. Now Your I, knowledge I, has probably come a long way since then. Yeah, and I, I look at circuits completely different now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I can look at, after you stare at them every day, all day, that you can start noticing patterns and you can take, yep. it's weird because you can kind of look at a schematic and almost hear what it's going to sound like. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so weird. So it's like reading schematics to me in my head, I'm, I'm hearing what's happening at the output but you know it's just a bunch of squiggly lines and squares and triangles right yep. <laughs> yep yeah foreign language to everybody else they right look at, look at you like why are you staring at that why would you do that to yourself <laughs> like wasn't math hard enough in high school and you're gonna do that to yourself look at all right. that <laughs> it's like a it's, puzzle it's funny um uh, you, you know some people like doodle squiggly lines when i when i'm doodling like i'm on a phone call or something that's mm-hmm. com- incredibly boring i'll just draw schematics <laughs> oh really <laughs> do you have a go-to circuit you draw out or you just like draw a boost every time no or? um I, I usually <laughs> no it's really i mean it's always a dirt of some sort it's always a driver mm-hmm. uh you know, a distortion or fuzz, probably just because that's where my head always goes to first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not really like thinking like, how w- would be a great circuit? I'm just putting stuff together, yeah. right. uh, you know, like playing in the sand sort of, not really doing much, but just drawing things. Yeah. And um, in fact, I was, I, was on a, I was on a phone call the other day and it was quite boring. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, I wasn't talking much. Right. There just mm-hmm. wasn't a lot going on. I was just sitting in on it. And by the time I got done, I, I was looking at it and thinking, this actually might sound pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> probably, I think I may should... have created something right, here. Right. <laughs> but it's like... on a napkin. It's on a napkin, right? <laughs> exactly. Put it in your pocket. <laughs> exactly. It's so important. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what I would call that, but it'd be funny if that actually did become a product. <laughs> you could call it the business meeting. <laughs> <laughs> 
(laughs) 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 Two hours of boredom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Out of all your pedals that you've you've designed, what are a couple of your favorite? Like you personally, Mm -hmm. your your personal taste, and that you think that schematically have have you did a really good job with. You know, I mean, it's. It's odd in the situation I'm in. It's a lot like, it's a lot like asking, you know, Aerosmith, "What's your favorite song that you guys play every night?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I mean, it's, I mean, I like them. I do for sure like them. Uh, but I've played them so much, it's almost funner for me to play somebody else's stuff. Yeah. Um, not all the time, but just because it's it's a, it's a change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from our stuff, uh, like I like. I like the pinnacle circuitry, uh, the plex drive circuitry. I like, um, probably the funnest things that I work on are, are the newer stuff just because it is new to me. You know, I mean, um, the terraform is going to be really cool, which is a multi-modulation thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're doing, uh, some more stuff with delays and reverbs. It's a project that's really cool. So like uh, your ethereal? No, it's, um, this will be, it's not out yet. So this okay. is this is just ah, a big, okay. a, a big hush hush project that you don't know about, right? Okay, and um, so that that'll be a fun project. And I got I've been working on a, a fuzz pedal that's really that's a lot of fun, uh, silicon fuzz, silicon fuzz based. But um, what else for my? I mean, gosh, it's like if when I go out to play, if I'm using my own stuff, mm-hmm. I, I always throw an ego compressor on there. And I just mix in just a little bit of compression because I'm running so loud usually. Uh, usually f- I kind of go back and forth between um, the Tumnus, the probably the Plexi Drive or the Pinnacle, depending depending what you know what the gig calls for. And then I probably I usually throw an Ethereal on there unless it's going to be unless the songs are like really delay intensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, meaning like it really requires accuracy and a specific kind of delay sound. Uh, sometimes the, um, I may run the Fotep Echo in that instance with the Ethereal. Um, but yeah, I mean, like e- even like you would think that going out for gigs, I would have this big pedal board. Uh, more than anything, I take a lot of stuff with me and I switch out in between sets. Mm. And that's <laughs> like that's seasoning. Like, it's, yeah, it's like that's the time that I get to try all the prototypes mm-hmm. that I'm working on, you know, and see see what they sound like with a band or something. Mm-hmm, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's I get that question a lot, like which one's your favorite? And it's I feel like picking a favorite child. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like your children. Yeah, yeah and it's it, in a, in a way, it's like if you're you think of a good analogy here. You have one, but you just don't want to tell people. No. Well, I mean, if you <laughs> if, if you're <laughs> If you're Skid Row and people say, don't you love that song, 18 in life? You know, you're thinking, no, I've been playing that song for 30 years. Yeah. I hate that song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it makes the bucks, you know, that's yeah. what puts food on the table. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I mean, you know, the truth is just, it's really this like playing my own stuff every day. Um, I, I like it. It's just uh, it, it's hard to really say which one's my favorite. I think my favorite's always like the thing I'm working on right now because it's it's new, it's fresh, and um, I, you know, it's it's what I'm most excited about. <laughs> I, I I have two questions. I'll ask sure. the second one in a second. How much of your day is consumed by breadboarding? 
Um, not nearly as much as I'd like. Right. A lot. I mean, a lot of times it's. Well, let me answer your question. Probably, depending on what's going on, maybe mm. on average three or four days a month, maybe. Okay. So if I had to guess, it'd probably be about actually sitting down with an analog breadboard. Um, a lot of what I do, honestly, revolves around sitting in front of a DAW and running different plugins. Okay. So we, so because we actually make plugins as well internally, not to the world yet, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, I. You know, we'll never compete with Waves or somebody like that. But, yeah. Um, but we do make plugins internally to kind of figure out what we want to do on future pedals. Yeah. So, for example, okay. we may make. Um, well, like uh, okay, so we're working on a delay. I think I have probably twenty-five or thirty different just delay plugins that sound different and are doing something different, and ju- and that's just an attempt to narrow down what we want this delay pedal to sound like. Okay, so, if that makes sense. So, yeah, so I mean, yeah. it's um. <laughs> so I take so I'll, I'll put that in, plug in in my DAW, and then I'll run my uh, uh, Sapphire. I use a Focusrite Sapphire, mm-hmm. and I'll run that to my amp. So I'll I'll basically use that the computer kind of as a very kind of a glorified pedal in itself. Yeah, a reamp like mm-hmm. reamping. Not really reamping. I'm literally playing through it in real time. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Um, but I'm just using the plug. The plugin is doing the the heavy lifting, so to speak, okay. of of the effect, and then yeah. I'll run that to the amp, and All that right. that'll allow me to kind of tweak different things, and you know may, maybe um, maybe I want to do something different with EQ on the on the echoes, so I can you know run parallel paths and just affect just the delay circuit. Right. Um, but I also have a couple of engineers where if, if it needs to be something drastically different, then they'll recode it and send it to me. And, um, and then I'll check that version. So I forget your original question, actually. <laughs> well, just just, just the, the whole breadboarding. In it, that, okay, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. In terms of like sitting down and, and creating tones. Because I would, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, uh, and that's like that's the cream of your crop. That's 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 your passion right there is sitting down with you know a couple circuits and going to town. Yeah, the the thing is, I mean, so bread breadboard obviously would be more of an analog thing, right? Um, so there's different bits and pieces that require use of a plug-in versus analog, obviously. So if you're making an analog delay, you're going to build it on a breadboard. Right. But if you're doing something completely in a digital realm, then it's pretty much going to be uh, on a, a DAW environment for us, right. at least in, in designing it. Right, with like DSP and whatnot. It's, yeah, it'd be strictly a, a digital a digital product. Uh, it's just much easier to do it that way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... So I, I wouldn't really call that breadboarding, but that's still circuit design, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that that plays a that's a big part of my time. And then um, you know, make, making videos and trying to create content, that's probably fifty percent of my time. Cool. I was say, that's... It's just it just it takes so much time. In this day and age, I feel like the <laughs> the need for anyone who creates content to constantly create content is oh, it's... overwhelming. 
Oh, it's yes, and it's constant. It's every week. As soon, yeah. it's like as soon as you get one project done, then it's Feed time to start content. on the end. <laughs> yeah. I need content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, you know, information and events really are. Uh, they last about two weeks. Hmm. You know, right. like I mean, for example, you might remember a month ago, whenever uh, there was a video released of um, what was it, like a backhoe or something, running over, running over a bunch of fin. Gibson guitars? Oh, the Gibsons? All those yeah. Futura yeah, yeah, yeah. things? Yeah. yeah. That seems like ages ago. That's like right. a decade yeah. ago. Yeah. You yeah. know? But it literally was like 30 days yeah. ago. Right. Or the Play Authentic thing. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was... The Play Authentic thing. What was that? Four months ago? Yeah. And to comment on that video would feel like, oh, wow, this is like really old. Right. No one's right. talking about this anymore. Like, exactly. Why are you commenting? It, that's exactly right. And so as since that's the way information feels, it's very, very much a throwaway information. Yeah. Then, you know, we brands, companies constantly have to put out new stuff week after week after week after mm -hmm. week. So which is why we have the podcast and the video channel and Facebook yeah. video and Instagram video. And and here shortly, we're actually getting ready to divide those. So the videos that you see on Instagram will be different than the videos you see on Facebook, which will be different than the videos you see on YouTube. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. No. basically, I've just decided to stop sleeping at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right. It almost feels like Truman Show. Remember that movie? It, it, yeah, it's like Truman Show, <laughs> except it's, it's a lot more fun to... You know, play with yeah. guitar pedals and stick yeah. the camera in front right. of it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say your 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 YouTube channel is quite impressive. You guys have tons of really good information. I mean, it's really and not to mention also your blog. Uh, very cool. Lots of good stuff there. Well, thank you. I mean, there's there's a team behind me that really help with it. I mean, there's a you know a guy named Jason Wilding who who actually writes most of the blog. Jason and Alex Clay. Yeah, that was actually um, my second question. Yeah. Was is about. Your team. I mean, you obviously mm -hmm. have a, a team behind you, and they help you out uh, quite tremendously. And um, you got to owe a lot to the people that are behind you and help run the whole operation. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they've been working with me for so long. Like they, they kind of, they know like how I would say something or what my thoughts would be on a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've kind of give them, given them the leeway over time to, to, all right, here's the Facebook, you know, here's the Facebook page, put out cool stuff, you know, you know, and every now and then something happened and, and I'll say, that's not what I would say at all. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but for the most part, you know, when it comes to ideas about tones and, um, thoughts on the guitar industry in general, it, it helps to have a team of guys who, who have like minds to really back you up, you know? Yeah. So, and it, it's it, to do it myself would be a, pretty much impossible. I don't, there's no way I could. Right. There's just too much going on. Yeah. We need you making guitar pedals. Uh, I think that's, that's what it's, I would rather be doing. <laughs> the world needs you making guitar yes. pedals more than everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and through all of my, you know, uh, you kind of saying, you know, that's not, that's not how I would say it. It kind of brings up <clears throat> over the past <clears throat> couple of days, I've been kind of thinking, going through the interwebs and checking you out and whatnot like that. Um, and I definitely see this common thread from the very beginning uh, all the way till now where you are, it seems to me, Brian, that mm -hmm. you are very customer oriented. 
I, I know you say that a lot, and we've I've heard you through Chasing Tone and whatnot like that, and there's a lot of people who, like you've said in mo- multiple articles where, you know, <clears throat> from the beginning, there are these dealers or manufacturers who have this good intention, but as they gain in notoriety, um, there is something that falters. Um, but you s- definitely, to me, seem to be consistent through all of that, where you care about the customers, you always have, even all the way back to the forums, where you're just, you know, helping them out, spending many hours writing emails to people, um, and, and that continues today, where you're just all about making sure that your customers and the people that you service are happy, and that, that's that's awesome. <laughs> to go on forums is brave. It really <laughs> just is. To go, I, just to go I, on forums, any I, forums, is yeah. pretty brave. I still do, uh, you know, visit um, the gear page and oh, TD, wow. the Telecaster discussion page and a few of them like that. I mean, not as much as I used to because just because gear groups on Facebook kind of have taken the place of a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it even from the beginning, I always my thought was that we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the customer. So therefore, when a customer's the customer's the boss, you know they're the ones that mm-hmm. that really they're the ones that give you your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people not I don't think it's as prevalent necessarily like the high end guitar pedal market, but some parts of the MI industry where people forget that. And um, they start just focusing on making money, and then you get a, a crap product and crap service, and you know it just it makes it for a bad experience for everyone. And then they lose market share, and they're trying to figure out how do they get it back, and then they try to th- think of tactics to get it back, <laughs> you know. And the and the problem is really that you kind of lost your focus, like yeah. you your customers tell you what they want to buy from you and you're supposed to make that <laughs> overdrives. <laughs> overdrives. Yeah. And if there's something not right, let me know and I'll, and I'll make sure well, it's that's, fixed. yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. If there's a problem, I mean, th- the first thing to do is not necessarily to go on a forum and tell everyone about how, you know, your pedal broke and it shouldn't yeah. have like get a hold of the manufacturer. And most, most of the time the, they'll be pretty quick to get it fixed. Yeah. You know, and if and things do go wrong, I mean, there's, there's times that this problems happen, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. But I think with uh, with clarity with the customer, it goes a long way. So there that's are what some we, people that's what though. We try to do. There are some people though that like no matter what, when something breaks, they're just gonna throw it away. And I don't know yeah. how many pedals I've gotten off eBay that literally like you just need to put some deoxid in the switch, and it's mm-hmm. totally fine. <laughs> and I and I get pedals for like less than half price just because like oh well like a wire just broke. Like, Right. All you have to do is just ask the manufacturer, like, "Hey, this broke," and then you know they'd probably fix it for you. Right. So, yeah, yeah. That's that's. I mean, the guitar pedal industry is actually pretty small. It, it doesn't seem like it from the outside, but you know, a lot of us are pretty pretty good friends, and um, you know, we talk to each other a lot, and I think we all have pretty much the same ideals. Not. I mean, there's obviously exceptions to the rule for right. companies that. Really, uh, trying to think of the best way to put it. Uh, um, don't really have the customer's best interest in, in heart, but, but that's the that's the exception, I think. 
They're not they're not invited to the bowling team. That's right. They can't go bowling with us again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Too funny. I want to jump back to the tone thing. Sure. I, I was Aaron was uh brought up kind of a different subject, but you know, you you to me the sound of the pedal is very very dependent on the amp and the guitar. It's like what what do you typically use and are there certain pedals that you have that are aimed at like, you know, single coil Telecaster and some are like made to pair with a naturally overdriven amp or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, from a design perspective, I, I usually start out with a Telecaster just cause it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a good middle of the road. Um, plus, I mean, they're built like a tank so you could step on it and it won't break usually. Mm-hmm. But so I start from there. Once I get something that I like, then I'll go to uh, I got several different guitars. I got a couple different Schecters and a PRS and uh, some Strats and Les Paul and uh, just a variety of different guitars that I'll play each one through that circuit. Um, same thing with amps. So yeah, I'm usually starting with a Fender amp of some sort, and then I go to uh, you know once I get a design that I'm somewhat happy with. Then I'll go through Vox's, uh, Mesa Boogie, Mar- a couple different Marshalls. Um, what else am I going through in there? Uh, Blues Junior, Pro Junior, uh, some PV, cl- PV Classics, a couple different PV Classics. Basically just a bunch of different kind of topologies to make sure that it's going to work with all the all the different styles of amps. Mm. I mean, because the, the reality is there's, there's generally only a handful of different types of amps uh there may be different modifications to that circuit but i mean i i a long tail there is a long tail there we want yeah to get about it. yeah yeah i mean say yeah. that again a long-tailed what uh it's a very nerdy thing but it's kind of phase inverter that's in certain amplifiers and you can almost assume that they're all going to behave similarly depending on if they all have like a 10k tail you know a basement. It's things that look like a basement are going to end up feeling like a basement, right? You know. It's yeah. Kind of... Yeah. For the for the most part, they're going to react the same circuit wise. Yeah. yeah. Um, just just basically a build off of a, a few different platforms. Yeah. So what what are those different amps that like the different categories that you you're referring to? To, well, to, to, to me, I mean, um, I kind of. I kind of look at it. If I had to split it into, I'm trying to dumb this down a little bit, more so because the vast majority of the audience is it's yeah. going to be it's going to be only you too, and me too far, probably too far now. In the weeds. <laughs> um, too much nerdy cir- stuff. Circuit design wise, like I'm thinking Vox. Like if I had to summarize it, let's say uh, AC AC30 or AC15, yeah. uh, a plexi style circuit. So that which kind of includes like a basement style thing um and then like a blackface or a fender type topology like that's that's what um wanting to make sure that our pedals work with the best uh, I, I i mean there are pedals that work with better for an overdriven tone like a, a dirty amp like let's say mm-hmm. the tumness or even like a tube skimmer or something like that if you have a dirty amp it's always going to it's going to hit that front end a lot harder and get a lot crunchier Versus something like, you know, if you got a big muff style, it's going to still sound cool, but it's not going to do the same thing. So those, 
so that style of pedal, even though it can overdrive on its own, it also will make a dirty amp even crunchier and tighter. Um, That's definitely what I was yeah, at here. But, but I don't, but I think there's also, you also have a group of people who will take a tube screamer or take, uh, well, let's say a tube screamer and just use that for the dirt. I mean, Steve Ray Vaughn did that a lot where he would just have, uh, you know, like, like tight rope, for example, is basically a dirty 808 to dirty tube screamer, you know? And, um, that's, that's not a, he's not pushing a Marshall plexi into no. clipping like, uh, <laughs> you know, like what you'd have with, you know, traditional classic rock style tones. Uh, even though they may still, you know, like on Metallica, a lot of, uh, was it Ride the Lightning era around that time? There was a lot of Marshalls that were being pushed with a tube screamer circuit. Completely different tones, still yeah. using the same pedal, just using it differently. I, de I definitely find, like for me, running a tube screamer through my amp clean is not, isn't the sound that I want. But then when it, as soon as I push my, my amp a bit, it's like, I don't know that there's anything better. <laughs> it really depends, like yeah. from gig to gig, if I'm outside, I have to like completely change my pedal the the settings on all, all of my pedals in order to get the sound i want compared to being inside where my amps set in much lower volume right yeah it's it's uh it's quite a bit funner whenever you have some have the ability to crank it up a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean but there are some people that you know that's that's their gig that's their jam is you know, playing a tube screamer or you know and i say a tube screamer mean what i mean is like a soft clipping type of pedal mm that um you know into a clean amp to a crystal clean amp that's just what they do and some make it you know i could i again i go back to the seizing analogy i mean there's there's times that you need pepper and there's times that you need uh you know mayonnaise <laughs> it, though mayonnaise isn't really a seasoning but you see what i'm going for <laughs> the flavor <laughs> the flavor yeah it's two totally flavor. different things but they still <laughs> apply to to you know put them in food so what are what are your thoughts on it's like i i love my my rig but there are definitely times when i you know go to guitar center and get to plug into something else and and i have a little bit of guitar envy for a different sound and we've recently had some people on the show talking about um some of the the things like the line six helix and some of the other amp simulators mm -hmm. have you spent any time playing through those and do you mm -hmm. have a uh, much of an opinion about them one way or the other yeah i mean i think they're incredibly handy i think that type of technology is ridiculously accurate um especially if you're if you're in a situation where you can't really crank an amp up like whether that's you know a club somewhere that just doesn't have the ability to mic things up properly or doesn't you know doesn't have uh uh, maybe like if you're in a city where you can't really drag your 212 cabinet inside of a cab, you know, and get to the gig, then you need some way to amplify. And I think that's a great way to do it. Or if you just want consistency, you want the exact same sound every night that, uh, you don't you don't have to mess with. It's just a setting. It doesn't change because it's digital and, you know, it just is what it is. I think that stuff's great, but it doesn't it doesn't compare when you put both in the same room when you're playing through a digital unit through a full range speaker system it doesn't compare to having the actual amp in the room 
you know, turn cranked way up loud, so loud that it's shaking every bone in your body. It's just, um, it's it's a completely different thing. It's almost a religious experience at that point. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I think they they can sound somewhat different, but to the player, like there's there's so many things that's going on. Like you're reacting with a lot of different components, and I don't, I don't mean like capacitors or resistors necessarily, but sound the, pressure level. Yeah, sound pressure level. Even the way like. The way the signal is hitting the circuit itself, like your attack, and you can kind of simulate that in digital, but it's just not—it's not the exact same thing. Like there's just, you know, it's there's a difference between watching a 4K video and experiencing it in real life. No, you know, and they're both the same picture, but one just has this this different component to it that. You can't put your finger on it. It's just much more alive and real, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm in. I'm in the same camp. I, I've been. I was impressed by the Line Six too, but I, I don't think I could switch, especially for the amount of money. Like I already, I love my sound. I don't want to. Right. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, you know, if I was doing if I was doing a gig somewhere where it was just the same songs every night and we were just going place to place to place and I, I didn't really want to be there anyways and I didn't want the hassle of messing with setting anything up. Basically, if, if that was my day job and I hated it and <laughs> you know, I just wanted to get through it, then I think that that application works fine. You know, use, use a simulated device all you want. But to me, half the fun is half the fun is interacting with what you're playing and interacting. I mean, just the way that the amp and the tools that you're using are working with or against you. Sometimes when you fight it and when it's fighting you, there's, there's some beauty in that, you know, and it's, that's a hard thing to explain. I'm having trouble explaining it myself, but there's definitely some times where, you know, you just, you're, you're, you're fighting the, the context of what you're playing, but it still works out in a very cool way. Like it inspires you to play something different or, or play some, play a, a way that you haven't played before. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, if I was, if I was doing an acoustics gig and, you know, some open mic jam or something, eh, I'm probably not going to drag a Marshall with me, you know, <laughs> but, but I mean, they have their place. I, they're convenient. They, I know this week yeah. past, this past uh, weekend, um, you and Blake on the past uh, Chasing Tone episode were talking about IRs and how you yeah. go through your process of recording. And, and mm-hmm. you know, IRs have their place. They're convenient. They're, you know, you can come up with many um, different combinations. Um, but you're right. There is absolutely nothing like plugging in and just cranking it up. And, oh, man, yeah. Just, yeah, you know, I mean, if I was recording an album, you know, I would, I would definitely mic everything with, real, well, with good good mics and use good preamps and all that sort of thing but you know like i said on the podcast if if i'm just making something for youtube i know youtube's going to destroy it anyways by the time they compress it (laughs) so you know irs work just fine i don't think you can tell a difference on youtube yeah i got a question um or at least how did how would uh how did you go about designing the bravado amplifier 
How do you how do you mm-hmm. pick a platform? Because I mean, we talked about like you know a long tail pair earlier, and mm-hmm. the statement that I said was rather general in terms of like a long tail pair is not just simply a long tail pair. You know, right? How much negative feedback is there, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Right. Um, so. With with me, I, I was really wanting to go. I was actually wanting to make it three channel. <laughs> I was really wanting to kind of oh. go overboard oh, with it. Oh wow. Um, the problem is that, well, one cost, I didn't want it to be a $4,000 amp. Um, and I, I, I thought maybe that if we, if we didn't do like a pedal platform at first, that it might not be really even given a serious thought. Uh, mostly, mostly because we sell mostly to retailers. And I think retailers kind of look at things through a very database lens, you know, like, it, it would make more sense if you're a retailer to buy an amp from a pedal company that was a pedal platform amp versus, yeah. uh, you know, something that, that does great, uh, you know, triple rectifier tones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and even though that, you know, the making a pedal and making an amp, the, the two worlds aren't that drastically different. They're pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it doesn't you know selling product products and making products are two different things, so so I guess where I was coming from is I wanted a good pedal platform, which is um, to me that starts in blackface, but then there's things that I don't like about a deluxe or a twin, like there's no mids, a lot of the mids get or there is mids but it's kind of this honky kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um, and it, then it's scooped out in part of the other area. And it's a little bass heavy, and it can be a little chirpy. Um, but you only have like an, you know two positions. You have a dull setting, and you have a stupidly bright setting on the black mm-hmm. face. And you got to kind of work in between those parameters. So I'm like, why don't we just create a knob that will allow you to go from that dull and then sweep to that bright? And it works yeah. completely different than like a presence control or, or like a treble control. So it's 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 actually changing, it's changing that uh, that high pass filter there on the volume knob. So you probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's changing that, so which is is going to that part of the circuit is going to really dictate whenever you throw a drive in front of an amp, it's going to really dictate whether it's uh, fizzy. Or whether it's you know a little chirpy or just like basically a sizzle control like a sizzle, yeah. yeah. That's that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear a lot of people when they're talking about deluxes and they say cut out the bright cap. That's what they're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that capacitor forms a filter of sorts that kind of takes that distortion and just adds this really sizzle to it. So I wanted to be able to to have different degrees of that because I also think that you know if you're playing a dark guitar, you really want some more brightness. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing a Telecaster or a Stratocaster, you don't need to have brightness at all. It's plenty bright usually. <laughs> no. Um, and I think I think that was a good way to do it. And then I also wanted more headroom. So like a Deluxe is cool, but it it clips. I think six V's kind of clip a little bit differently than like a six L six. I think six L six is a little more bottom, and um, mm-hmm. and in that that type of circuit, it, it gave it a little more headroom. We just changed the phase inverter a little bit so it didn't distort quite as much. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's where we where we started from. Like I said, I I actually wanted to make two different game channels on top of it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but maybe in the future, you know, maybe yeah. in the future. 
I can see where they want you to start with a pedal platform at least, or where it makes the most sense to start with a pedal platform and then probably yes. build build off of that. Because they probably were thinking, well, if you build it at Amplus Distortion, aren't you just kind of you know cutting out the market for your own pedals? Yeah, could be. So could be. Want yes. to make another product, just like Apple? You know, let's let's make another product <laughs> to go with your other products. So, right. You know, that, what do they call it? You know, the different level mm-hmm. seamless integration. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know. We may do another ramp. Um, I would. I would like to. I've got some more designs I have done, but um, the tube amp market right now is in a really weird place, especially with uh, you know hand wired stuff. It's just. It's not. It, it's it's ultra competitive. There's a lot of people in it, but it doesn't seem like mm-hmm. it's thriving like it once was three or four years ago. So I don't know. I may sit on it. Usually that stuff is pretty cyclical. Mm-hmm. So uh, I may sit on that for a little bit until it kind of comes back around. Would the next one be a smaller amp? Do you think? Like uh... I, yeah, I've, I've got some. I've got some definitely lower lower wattage designs that I've I've kind of gotten to tank. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of what's waiting your, for a different day. But what's your favorite low wattage amp? Like you know, I I really like taking. A fun thing to do is take like a JCM eight hundred, mm-hmm. and um, and just make it like a five watt version. That's a, that's go. a fun thing to do. Like but single ended, make... single ended yeah. five watt. Okay, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, and I think people get hung up so much on wattage too. I mean, yeah. you can. I don't know. I mean, you can you can get a ten, you know, ten or fifteen watt amp. You can get it pretty loud if you want to. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I actually I have um, a Vox, one of those AC four C ones, one of those mm-hmm. new AC fours. Yep. And I popped it open just because it needed some service, and the tubes were completely cooked, and the uh, EL eighty four was I think at like fourteen watts or something for the twelve max. Right. So I mean, That'll yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah, and you turn it on, and the thing was just immediately like, "Whoa!" Like this is competing with the Hot Rod Deluxe over here. Like, I mean, you know, clipping way way quicker, but I mean, right. you know, in terms of volume, oh yeah, it, it don't think that a, a four watt amp is, yeah. you know, or that fourteen watts isn't going to be like forty. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a bigger fan of of taking higher wattage amps and just using a good attenuator. Really, I mean that's that's where I kind of live most of the time. Hmm. Have you tried the uh, the new Ox or the Waza amp expanders? I haven't tried the Boss. I've tried the Ox. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I like it. Are um, you using it uh, with a DAW or just through a speaker? Because I know there's um, like mm-hmm. extra features when you use it with a DAW. Uh, when I tried it, it was with speakers. Okay. Yeah, I think it was. I want to say it was Gearfest. I tried. I don't. I don't have one. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, I've heard you can bit. add like reverb and delay. Were you able to add that through the speaker? I believe so. Yeah, it's been oh, really? a bit ago since I did it, That's but yeah, cool. I think so. I heard you could only do like one or the other through the DAW. But I, yeah, I, maybe I could, that's maybe that's a feature they've expanded. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure because I, I wasn't at the controls. I was on the guitar. <laughs> they were they were turning <laughs> things for me. So <laughs> yeah, so I can't I can't really answer that accurately. But um, yeah, it's I mean it seemed pretty cool. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, like, not, to me, again, nothing, nothing beats just having the, an actual amp in the room. I mean, all that, again, the aux and 
the Kempers and the fractals. It's it's all super handy. Yeah. It's just, um, man, just I'd rather have the actual guitar amp speaker next to me. You know. Yeah. It just it sounds different than a mic sound. I mean, you're always yeah. gonna get you're always gonna get the sound of of the mic and the preamp and everything else in the room. It was it was recorded in and. And to me, know. also, I think like the sound pressure level would have a lot to do with how it feeds back mm-hmm. into the circuit itself. And if you simply just don't have that volume, there's no way it could ever actually sound or feel the same way as if it was actually at the real volume. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, the stuff is it, it's super handy, but it's not uh it's not super inspiring to me, <laughs> you know. If I, if I like it, if I'm if I'm writing something or or if I am playing out somewhere, uh, I would just rather have the the real thing. It's just more enjoyable to me. Nope. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, this has been awesome. You guys are been some good technical detail. <laughs> no, I'm like, yeah, nerd, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah say this it. Is right. good stuff. <laughs> do we do we nerd out too much? No, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Well, we can't obviously uh, have Brian Wampler on our show and not end with some kind of question about food. <laughs> so, sir, what are you having for lunch today? <laughs> I probably won't have it. Oh! <laughs> oh, you, um, no lunch? No, no I've, I, uh, I've got like a weird eating schedule. So I, I kind of do this intermittent fasting thing where I basically don't eat until the afternoon and I just eat a ton of food. Um. If I do have lunch, golly. <laughs> like, what are you having for dinner? That's okay. Oh, well, I mean. It's no wonder you're crazy about food if you starve yourself all day. Yeah, I, I'm really, this is going to sound weird, but I'm not really a fan of eating. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Oh. Yeah, really, really not. Like, I just. Um, you don't like chewing or? Uh, I don't like taking the time to stop. Right, right. I, you know, I like, like the forced, the forced stop is welcome. I uh, I don't. You just want to keep going. I really, I really do. Yeah, it irritates me when I whenever I get tired and got to go to bed. And, yeah. So when we get yeah. to like those meal pills where you can just like take a pill yeah. and it's oh, an entire full me meal. I am in. no yes. way. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. 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 Again, yeah. Sign me up for that. Yeah. Again, like you were talking about on this past podcast with Chasing Tone, you were talking about how you don't do movies, you don't do television. I'm like, yep, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You know, I mean, there's um, th- there's a lot of people that are you know, into playing guitar and into effects and and that sort of thing, and I get it. But imagine if that was your job, and that's what you did every day. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's it's like there's never really like a grind where you're dreading going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so as a result, like there's so many things that I want to do. Um, and you know, both not with just products, but with the company and, and, you know, where I'd like to see us in five or 10 years. And, um, you know, there's not enough time. There's never enough time. So it's, uh, so I guess to answer your question, like if, if, if I eat, it's generally like, Hmm, what can I make quickly? (laughs) All right. Chicken it is. Let's, let's throw it in the oven. It'll be fine. Yeah. So you don't have comfort food at all. I don't do comfort food. So, no. Well, I take that back. I take that back. So, um, I've recently been on an ice cream uh, drumstick kick. Oh. So I'll, you know, I'm, I'm maybe a 
<laughs> the nutty buddy. It's just, yeah, I mean, we just buy a big box of drumsticks. And if I get hungry, I'll go grab one and take it, <laughs> you know, take it with me and scarf it down real quick just to get me through. Yeah. That's probably not very healthy, by the way. But uh, that's, that's, that's probably as close to lunch as I get is probably a drumstick. So, so a lot of times I, I perform on the ocean front here in Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. and they'll put me in front of Core Brothers ice cream a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And so for like three and a half hours, I'm like smelling waffle cones baking and watching oh. people eat ice cream while they watch me play. And That's it drives, fantastic. It's, it's kind of torture, though. And so I've like – I was never an ice cream guy, but in the past two summers I've become – like after every show, I come home and I have a, a waffle cone with ice. ice cream. <laughs> the waffle cone's gonna get you. <laughs> the waffle cone smells so good. Oh, that's I, fantastic! I yeah, I at, I worked at an ice cream parlor for four years, so I love ice cream. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! If I did that, I'd be five hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I was, whenever I go to Harris Teeter, the grocery store, whenever they have pies on sale, I like, I can't stop myself and I'll buy. I'll buy an on-sale pie. Mm-hmm. And I realized recently that I've been to, I think I've had pie like constantly for the past like four weeks. And so I <laughs> had to go to a different grocery store to just like not, not see on-sale pies. Gotta give up the pie, <laughs> like, man. Pie and, ap- and vanilla ice cream is insanely good. Mm. <laughs> uh, wow. See, now you're getting me hungry, right. but I don't have time. <laughs> man of the pie. That's funny. Well, Brian, thank you very much for coming on. It's it's been wonderful. We really do appreciate you stopping on by. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, could you tell everybody where they can find out more information about you and Wampler Pedals? Sure, you can check out the internet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> What's that? Where are we? Wamplerpedals.com, Facebook slash Wampler Pedals, Instagram slash Wampler Pedals, Twitter slash Wampler Pedals. Uh, just look up. Oh, there's not really a URL for YouTube, so just look up Wampler Pedals. You'll see it. And um, is there anything I'm forgetting? No, no TikTok yet. <laughs> I got personal Snapchat that I never use really anymore, but um, that's about it. And Chasing Tone. Yeah, Chasing Tone. There you go. Tell a friend about the podcast. So, yeah, Chasing Tone podcast if you're into audio. Thank you, Brian. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, have an awesome day. Yeah. We'll have some ice cream. <laughs> I will. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right, bye. Bye.